I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. It's always great to be with you. And as you will know, as a musician myself, I really champion the arts. I think it's an incredibly important thing that should be just literally right at the heart of education, giving children the opportunity to be creative, the chance to express themselves, to have this really sort of broad idea of what learning is all about with all of its guises. And today I'm delighted to be chatting to Peter Higgin, and he is Artistic Director and Joint CEO of Punch Drunk Enrichment. Now his journey started in the year 2000 when he graduated from Exeter University and he's been a, a founding member and been right at the heart of Punch Drunk and its expansion over the years. Now the thing that I really loved as I was having this conversation is the sense of the, sort of the awe and wonder with which they're, they're trying to get people involved with and what they're able to bring to schools and, and their immersive experiences for schools are really designed to inspire and engage the imagination and their idea of inviting pupils and teachers on an adventure with a lasting impact. They work with schools nationally and internationally and also prioritising those that are most in need. From teacher-led adventures from a single class to installation-based experiences for the whole school. They offer a range of projects with learning outcomes devised for primary school students and they also run creative workshops for secondary schools, both of these in person and online. Now as I've mentioned, they found that the awe and wonder of the unique experience motivates young people in their learning and encouraging them to express themselves creatively but also through oracy and literacy. The schools can experience their work through a project or through a long-term creative engagement program like Immersive Learning Journeys and the Immersive Learning Collective. They work with leading academic researchers and they offer professional development opportunities for teachers through teacher-led projects. So I hope you find this conversation as fascinating as I did and really do make sure you check out their website which is punchdrunkenrichment.org.uk. Hi, Pete. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Obviously, people know listening that the arts is something which is really important to me as a professional musician and someone who works in schools delivering music. So this is um, a really exciting conversation for me because I think the more we can spread the word about that what we know, which is so important for children to express themselves and to have a world where they can go in and immerse themselves and be creative is incredibly important. So, yeah, thanks so much for being here. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. So let's start off with exactly what Punch Drunk Enrichment is, and then we'll, we'll work back in terms of your journey in terms of getting there. Yeah, so we're an uh, immersive theatre company, um, and we've got our roots in uh, the company Punch Drunk, um, which is a, an immersive theatre company. But I formed Punch Drunk Enrichment out of um, Punch Drunk back in 2008. Uh, I, I was... I've always been interested in two things, I suppose, in my career, immersive theatre and the applied practice of drama and, and, and specifically within educational settings. So when the opportunity came to kind of merge 
those two things together, I sort of jumped at it with both feet and grabbed it with both hands. So uh, really what I saw was a form of theatre, which is non-traditional, um, where the audience are active and are often wandering around a space and encountering um, scenes as opposed to, to passively watching them. And I saw the impact this had on an audience and saw how excited they were and saw how keen they were to share their experiences. And I was also, in early, early Punch Drunk days, I was also a practicing teacher as well. And I took my own pupils to see the work. And they, you know, it made my job as a teacher really easy as a drama teacher, because I took my students there. And then we got back all the way home. They were talking about the, the work. In, into the next uh, practical lessons, they were talking about the work, and I saw it manifesting itself, you know, on the stage when it went into their own work. So they were captivated, and I thought, you know, at that moment, I thought, in the future, if there is a possibility to expand this practice into lots of different areas, education as a focus, then we have to, because I think if you can excite and engage audience and students like that, then there's a real power to do that across lots of different um, communities and in, in lots of different spaces. So. Really, the aim is to take work to um, all sorts of audiences, but I know we're talking about education today, to take work to schools. We do a lot of work in primary schools, really to kind of give pupils a, a, a massively exciting experience, but not one that's just purely for entertainment, but that actually really engages them in their learning and actually really makes them excited about what they're doing um, and positions their learning within a narrative. So we are an immersive theatre company, so we take um, essentially projects or shows into schools, um, but the, the, the pupils don't sort of sit down in the hall and watch them happen, they, they, they happen to them. So they might pop up um, in a story which manifests itself as small props around a school, it might pop up as an installation where the head teacher's office is completely changed into a whole new um, world and whole new narrative. And often with the work, what we're trying to do is to make sure that the pupils almost believe it's real and actually that this could be happening. Um, so we're trying to create this sort of storybook world that kind of opens up within their world and we, and we make the, the pupils um, uh, and the teachers sometimes the protagonists in this story. And I think for me, just that starting point of even, like say, having a conversation about, you know, what is it that when you go to see a play or be part of drama and everyone will be that kind of, well, I sit down and watch something happening on stage. And so even just changing that that sort of mindset from the off must be quite an interesting uh, development from, from what you expect maybe sometimes. Yes, I think um, that's always been, you know, surprising for, for teachers and surprising for pupils. And it's always been often... It's tricky to sort of describe it sometimes. And actually, what you realise is that you need to you need to sort of uh, communicate it to people by experience. So you've got to get teachers along to see the thing in situ. And once you once they see it and see how it could work, then they uh, then the penny drops and they're like, "Yep, I would like this at my school." Or yeah, I, I can I can see um, I can see how this works because it is very much about an experience. It's very much about an emotion and, and, and a feeling that the the um, the piece engenders but yeah it's 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 different and it's it, it's active and and so and, and pupils don't see it as theatre necessarily and actually theatre has connotations often doesn't it and people have a relationship with theatre and and spaces like theatres and some people see that that they're, they're spaces for them and some people for some people it's really alien because they don't necessarily get to go to them so we, we I think what's 
you know, unique about the work. We sort of bring that high production quality and those high production values, but they bring them to your school. So even if you're a student and we really specialise in trying to take the work to where we feel it's sort of needed most, um, working in areas, you know, where there's high pupil premium and areas where there's economic deprivation. So we're, we're trying to bring that experience to children to build their cultural capital. So, yeah, it's really surprising and it's really, it's amazing watching children respond to it um, and watching, you know, the, the projects unfold um, and watch them sort of get drawn into, into the drama of it. And we should probably then talk about what the project um, is about and, and what is involved, because in, in that kind of preconception idea of kind of, you know, it will last for two hours and we'll have an interview and an ice cream <laughs> in that traditional sense. You know, is it something that you come in and do for a morning, a day, a week, a month? How, how does it sort of work from that sort of practice? Lots of sense? different. Yeah, good question. Lots of different um, scales, really. And I think that's what we've been doing over the last few years is trying to develop the scale of interaction. And, and we're still continuing to do it, actually. I think you can you can do it in a really short amount of time. You can do it in a really long amount of time. Is it is it useful maybe to talk about one of our projects? Yeah, um, please do. That. Yeah, I think so I'm like, um, sort of see 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 what it's like in our minds, yeah, eye, as it were. Yeah, exactly. So, kind of a really good example of one of our projects is a project called the Lost Lending Library, um, and this is a um, installation piece. So, an area of a school is transformed, a room is transformed, and um, the the project sort of lasts over three weeks. So, there's a uh, there's, an, there's a workshop element of it where the um, pupils meet a character and they talk about libraries and they talk about their favourite books um, and uh, they find out they've got the same favourite book and then over the course of the weekend an area of the school is transformed into the Lost Lending Library uh, and the way the children know it's um, arrived is on Monday the some of them might walk past the door to say, let's, for example, the head teacher's office and the door is no longer there. And in its place is a bookshelf, um, which has you know, just, just appeared over the weekend. Very soon into the school day, there's an emergency assembly um, and the head teacher sort of wants to know, was anybody in at the weekend? Did they see anything happening? Um, and they, they, nobody has, um, but obviously it's a problem. They can't get into the, into the head teacher's office, but they've called the librarian who was in the, the week before, and they say they'll do some investigation. And what transpires is something called the Lost Ending Library has appeared in the school. And the library is a sort of fantastical um, library which jumps around from place to place, looking really for the, the for great imaginations and great story writers. And it's no um, sort of accident it's arrived at the school because they've it's full of imagination they've been talking about books they've been talking about stories and the the librarian who 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 did all those workshops stumbles into the lost ending library and meets the um guardian of the library and realizes that some of the children from the school are going to be invited into the library so they act as a chaperone to the, all of the children in the school who depending on how big the, the, the school is, but generally over the course of about, about a week, every child in the school will visit the Lost Ending Library. Um, they'll manage to open the bookshelf door and then they'll be transported into this, this really sort of magical installation, which is, you know, it's got library, got characters coming to life. It's got this um, really atmospheric soundtrack and the lights are, um, you know, dim and atmospheric and uh, it's got strange smells within it. And they, they meet the librarian and it transpires that, um, 
we find out the library has come to this school because it's looking for new story writers um, and there's an empty shelf that needs filling and lo and behold the, the children get made apprentice story writers and they get tasked with writing a new story for the Lost Ending Library or to come up with an illustration or to come up with an article and um, what we do is make sure that we talk to the schools in advance and sort of say you know, what topic would you like to explore and we ensure that the task that they need to complete is linked to the topic that's already being taught in school um, and so they're charged with writing new stories um, new pitch drawing new pictures um, to, to fill up this empty shelf in the library and they they, they they go out of the library and then they continue to to do this work and to complete this mission the library remains in the school for another week and teachers can use it as a, a learning resource and they can go back in with their um, pupils and then they eventually um, about you know, after two weeks of, it, of its arrival the library disappears but not without leaving a pile of books in its place for, for the school to keep and also a stack of gold cards which um, mean that the children have completed their task and they've become gold card members of the Lost Ending Library and that that's where the project formally ends for us but the interesting thing is that in lots of schools and in, in and this is an example of a project uh, of many we've done like this um, but this is sort of the longest running one what's what's the interesting thing is the journey doesn't end there because the teachers continue the fiction and continue the narrative and lots of schools we've worked with they've created their own department at the library they've continued with a character who exists within the library and they um, continue to use uh, uh, you know communications from the library to inspire work so the the thing about this kind of work we find is that the the experience of going into it lasts for a long time and it stays with you and actually it, it gives a real purpose for, for learning so there's yeah, so that's a kind of, in a nutshell, one way in which it happens. I mean, there are, you know, and that's quite a big way. <laughs> and that's kind of the work we started off with when we began doing the work in 2008. And it was only in doing it that we realised that one of the, you know, unsurprisingly, but um, brilliantly, the, the, one of the key successes um, to making this work work was the teachers. You know, onboarding the teachers because this is different and this takes organization and logistics. So, onboarding the teachers and ensuring they understand how the project will unfold. Um, and um, also supporting them to continue it because they, they invest in it and, and they want to continue to invest in the impact they see from their children. So, um, we, we wanted to basically make sure that we could continue to support teachers. So, we began began to build in sort of post-inset um, work and CPD and give them legacy um, projects, a big map of the world and postcards from different places around the world that the Lost Ending Library would be visiting and the tools for the teachers to continue that communication and to kind of support that immersive narrative. But knowing that the teachers are obviously the most important people in children's lives, we wanted to create... Um, pieces of work which we call teacher-led projects. So um, my colleague Tara Boland, who's our associate artist um, and for a, for a long time was a sort of full-time associate director, she, she came in and I, I worked with her and um, very much handed over the brief to her of coming up with these teacher-led projects. And the first brief was a project which could be delivered with one to two classes and but 
everything you need to do, it comes in a box. So um, how can we, uh, and with a bit of training and just a box full of props, how can we equip teachers to be able to deliver their own immersive project where the teachers themselves become the magicians, become the sort of designer and director? Um, so with something like box projects, and with, with a project I'll talk about is A Small Tale, um, uh, the teacher begins the project by reading a book um, which is about these two characters called Abe and Alba, who are adventurous and mischievous little people, um, sort of borrower-sized um, um, uh, people. And they uh, basically, you know, there's a story about them sort of getting up to mischief, annoying humans, um, and generally being a bit of a pain until one day they find a library and they find that they love libraries and they love adventure stories and that inspires them to go on their own adventures. Um, so they read that book and, it, and it's a book that we created uh, for the project and then the teacher um, does some comprehension work with the, with the school, with the class and then um, they leave the book open on their desk overnight and when they come back the next day um, they uh, open up the book again and they go, go back to this book that we were doing yesterday children um, we're going to continue the work on this and the, the pages are blank the, there's nothing inside there and there's inky footprints which are littered across the page and then on the desk and then down onto the floor and what transpires is that we find out that this is a magic type of book and uh, actually the characters within it you need to look after them and if you leave the book open then they escape um, and the, so this happens and then the children learn how to spot these characters and how to look after them and they the evidence of their travels across the school begin to appear so some one of the teachers um, loses um, lots of their pencils which they've just bought um, uh, the head teacher loses some biscuits um, and they, they, we hear about these things via assemblies or a teacher comes in and then the, the class go to investigate and they find evidence of the, the little people around the school. So they might find their campsite, a little tiny campfire, um, and they might find, find the, you know, a, a rope ladder um, and, a, and a mini uh, zip wire from where they've escaped. And we never actually see the characters, but the sense that they are in the school and that they are about um, it very much is apparent within the design um, and then really what we we realize um, within the project and what the teacher and the children realize they need to get the, the, the characters back in the book they need to look after them so and they know um, or they think one of the ways to do this is to write stories about Abe and Alba and they do this and then they leave a story trail out and they prop the book open with a pencil and then over the weekend the fiction of the project means that the um, the uh, characters get back into the book, book closes, and then everything's restored. Um, and there's a, an emotional beat after that as well, where we return, we find out that the books belong to a, um, it belonged to a young girl about the same age as the children, who's a, um, now in her elder years, and they return the book to, to, to her, and, it, and actually she writes back, and actually within that package is a little tiny message, tiny miniature letter from Abe and Howard themselves thanking them for looking after them so um 
And yeah, that, that's sort of an example of how we've sort of taken the practice from installation style to, um, you know, something which comes in a box, and which the teachers deliver. And we've, you know, worked with lots of schools over a long period of time. One school we work with, um, uh, we've worked with quite a lot, it's a school called Wyborn School. And actually what we're seeing is that, you know, we, we do these projects and, and they'll do a lot of our projects and we'll, we'll do a lot of training with them. And actually we're seeing and actually we're actively working with schools to try and get teachers to take on the mantle of sort of immersive creativity, immersive delivery. So, for example, um, Wyborn School, who are in Eltham in South East London, um, created a project around uh, dinosaurs. So there was, um, they created a fiction that a, a T-Rex was spotted in their playground. Um, and um, it sort of seemed to be looking for something um, and it sort of disappeared as suddenly as it arrived. So that's sort of told to the kids. And then a few days later, there's a pile of twigs begin to emerge and then the twigs get more over time. And it, um, you know, the children are curious about what's going on. There's lots of discussion around this. There's lots of theories and it, uh, they find fossils and they find teeth. And eventually it becomes apparent that it's an egg um, that's been, been laid there. And it, 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 um, it, what it allows for is um, sort of a cross-curricular approach where the school are then, within this fiction, able to plug all sorts of different areas of the curriculum into it. Um, and, you know, they've so in science, they dissect dinosaur poo to find out more about its diet. In English, they're writing stories about in linked to the dinosaur nest. And in history, they're learning about time and chronology and, you know, the sort of the breadth and depth of geological time um, and looking at what the world was like during the age of the dinosaurs. So that, that you know, that's a project which has sort of been inspired by the work that we've done in the school, but is completely independently designed by by the teachers, and we have nothing to to do with it. And you know that school are you know forging ahead with new projects and actually transformed the whole area of their school into a into a sort of museum space inspired by the time we took the Lost Ending Library to them. So we're I think what we're seeing really is that if we can demonstrate a quality of engagement, you know, really an amazing experience that schools and teachers want more, have <laughs> always wanted more. So we've been trying to kind of get to a point where we're, we're offering, um, we're offering a breadth of projects um, and actually that we've been building towards is create this teacher leading them, this teacher-led projects so that we can, you know, give teachers really the experience and the tools to then go on and create the work themselves. For me, that's the ultimate goal, is when you hear about the dinosaur nest or the, 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 the museum that they've built or you know any number of projects which schools have begun to do, that's when the practice becomes sustainable because it's not, you know, we've all, you know, I'd love to take the Lost Ending Library and Aben Albert to every school, you know, in England, uh, if they'd have it, um, uh, in, in, you know, in the UK, but um, it, that's just not possible. So I think for me, trying to get to a place where we can embolden teachers and train teachers to take on this um, practice and to be able to kind of develop it into their everyday teaching practice is really exciting. I mean, not, it's not for every school and it's not for every teacher, but um, we do see, you know, uh, we see a, an impact um, on teachers and, uh, and on pupils. Um, and I feel that there is a, there's a desire for teachers to kind of lead this incredibly creative 
work and to want to kind of create these imaginative experiences for for their pupils yeah i can really imagine that because um one of the things that i've noticed um when i've been into schools doing music workshops is the fact that you know it really is um fundamentally relatively straightforward i mean as a musician you kind of you know you, you know that and you're trained but i think when you actually have gone into a school and you demonstrate it and the kids are involved they go oh yeah no i could replicate that either what you've done or like you say use versions of it within within their own practice once you've gone but like that's something that until they've experienced it they don't understand so do you sort of feel like you know the confidence is there and like you say the enthusiasm is there it just needs that ability to one hear about it and like you say two just to get that experience enough to then feel like no i you know i i can see how i can take this forward and then like you say the world's your oyster because it's then just their imagination and engagement that's going to take it into into that realm yeah i think i think being able to sort of and it's a tricky one actually because sometimes schools see it and they're like oh i could never do that so you do need anyway. to sort of bridge the the bridge the gap and then you've got some teachers who really want to do it but you've got to sort of take them on the journey to get to that point because um and that's where we do we do quite a lot of sort of specialist training and trying to get teachers and um to think about how they can create work and you know the sort of process that we go through to create work but absolutely if you can begin to engender that approach and where it's really worked well is where that you know those senior leaders or that head teacher has gone yeah we need to we need to do more of this actually and we need to sort of think about how we can we be you know how can we begin to apply this in our planning and in our overall approach and that's where you see the sort of egg project to emerge because they're the school are you know they're all obviously planned collaboratively but they're making space for the, the work within there so it's a you know one of the things we, we we want to try and do is to you know and it's a challenge is you know can we get ask ourselves can we get to the place where we can get teachers excited and interested by something smaller at first and then lead them to something bigger as opposed to you know it, it sort of necessarily meaning that we bring the library in and we're also aware that you know the the gatekeepers to schools you know obviously the secretary um but it's often the head teacher so getting it's so important that the head teacher and, and the culture that the head teacher engenders within the school in terms of embracing and supporting creative approaches but so we're sort of we know we can do it from top down but also can, can we do it from bottom up can we get those teachers involved with that thing that they can do without necessarily um seeking the permission of the senior management but could then begin to filter into the school that way so yeah, really interesting and and you, you mentioned there in terms of going sort of around the uk and obviously wanting to go to every school but the the, the reality of that so in 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 practice you know how far afield can you go and um and, and what sort of some of those sort of different parts of the country that you've, you've managed to take it to yes so we um we did a long program of work in edinburgh actually with a children's theatre festival called imaginate and um this is sort of the biggest expression of how far we can go i suppose and we within that we um had a series of work actually we taught a family and school show called small wonders and then we followed that up with a um sort of six month delivery of the lost ending library to around six to eight schools in edinburgh and then we've actually continued now to work with them on our teacher-led work um and we did you know they regularly take our box projects and 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 take them to their schools so 
we we can you know we've taken the work to um, Massachusetts, um, and we've delivered the the uh, a small tale as a um, a training model which happened over Zoom. So we can we can go we can go quite far. Often the 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 way we tend to work um, is to work with local brokers, uh, whether that's an arts. Um, organization or a theatre organization who have relationships with schools who can help us to take the work in, into schools so um, and within that we're interested in working with partners who feel that you know they, they're working with schools who would really benefit from this from this interaction so in truth we can we you know if more people knew about the work um, and we could produce enough boxes for projects then we could we could we could do quite a lot um, but we also know that you know, so we want to we want to try and do, do the work in a way which is rich and engaging, and you know have that really good contact time and that really good training. Because one of the key things in terms of um, getting buy-in for the projects is actually about the training for teachers, because schools want to invest in you know in teachers, don't they? They want to invest in um, professional development. They want to invest in their teachers having um, lots of different skills in lots of different areas. So. And actually, that's the power of it, as you can sort of see from some of the things I've been talking about, is that the projects themselves, they have an impact on the, on, on the children and they have an impact on the teachers as well. And it's that sort of, well, how could we how can we take on this mantle? Um, so I think. Yeah, so I think the, the scope we've you know, we've worked in um, we work regularly in Thurrock, just outside of London, um, worked in Leicester, we've worked in Manchester, um, but we're always, you know, we're we're keen to continue to take the work outside of London and that was one of the driving forces behind creating it was to have a project which you know we could ship and then and send a practitioner to to um, develop it so it's pretty light and it's pretty nimble really um, it's just it's just comes down to our, our own resource and staffing to be able to um, and our ability to identify those partners yeah, that's a, I can I can really see why the partners are so important because, like you say, the hardest thing often is actually speaking to a school or for them to being aware of what you're doing. And then, like you say, it, it's all a journey, isn't it? About from the the approach to the talking through, seeing what it's going to happen, listening to people who've done it before, all of that sort of thing. It's not just a question of oh, right, we've got this, we can come tomorrow. And um, and like you say, to embed it in such that they can then use it to plan going forward and, and the way they're thinking about learning and embedding it across different parts of the school. Um, that's why I love the podcast because it gives us that opportunity to sort of have these conversations in a way that people can then sort of come in and meet us where we are rather than having to be, oh, I've got two minutes, I need to just sort of get out there and kind of at least kind of get that quick phone call or whatever it happens to be to try and try and get that that across and and like I say the teachers are so important um is there a school experience or a teacher that you remember and um and has some of that impact sort of worked into into obviously your professional life since then yeah i mean i, I suppose one of my very early school memories was um a memory of a not necessarily a teacher, but obviously there was a teacher behind this. We'd been doing some work in um, it, it, about space, and there'd been a really, um, probably quite sort of low-fi mock-up of a spaceship within within the within the an area of the school. And I, my, me, and a friend got really obsessed with this area, and we really got into the imaginative and fictional play of this. And 
you know, so much so that we were convinced we needed to turn this thing off before the lunch bell rang and we, we weren't allowed in the school at lunchtime. We were kicked out into the playground and needed to, and had to stay out there. Um, so, but we, you know, we actually barged our way past the dinner lady who was in, in the, um, in, in the way and, um, what got, went back in and convinced ourselves we needed to turn off. We turned off that, um, turned off that, uh, that spaceship. So in some respects, you know, you remember those school days, don't you, where you're like, you were really engaged and really immersed in something and really excited by schools. So that's always stayed with me actually. Um, and I think sort of leading into that a bit, that that's the kind of, you know, the impact that, um, and the results of immersive learning and experiences like that for us, we find that it really engages children in their, their learning it makes them enthusiastic about writing stories that, you know, we find they don't want to stop writing stories. They don't want to stop doing learning, you know, when, when it comes to break time, they want to continue. Um, you've got this real sense of purpose and they're engrossed in work and that, you know, children can't stop talking about it. And actually yeah. that talk is important, isn't it? Cause that's the thing that leads to writing. And actually that, you know, I probably went home at that moment and said, you know, t told my parents about that and, you know, wouldn't probably wouldn't stop babbling about. It. They probably didn't understand what I was talking about. Spaceship at school, but that's the you know we hear from the families as well, from the you know children coming home and telling them about school and telling them about how exciting it was. So that 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 sticks with me. Um, and you know, so yeah. you know, and I've got multiple memories like that across all of my school life. But um, that that one. Always... Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And like saying, and how you sort of transformed sort of your professional life. You know, you can see how all that tallies up. And I think. I think for me as well, it's just that sense of it was when you first started talking about it and, and the idea of writing a story. I mean, I can remember walking in from the playground and it's like, OK, and now we're going to write a story about. <laughs> and I just felt my heart sink in terms of, OK, right, so I've got to think about this and that and whatever, which is just a million miles away from everything that obviously, you know, and you've been able to share with us today, because that just starts like say from play from imagination from being engaged from being part of something bigger than now we know we've got to do this part of the curriculum because as soon as you can negate all of the curriculum from a i think a child's point of view and they just feel like they're learning and embracing and exploring life then the the, the prospect of learning generally is just a completely different thing isn't it that, i mean that's exactly it that that is exactly it so when the curriculum begins to teach itself through the experience that the you, you know that the teachers are putting in front of the children um and a lot often what we you know, and so it feels seamless. So you've got children who are really excited about their learning and they don't know whether they're, you don't, they don't, they're sort of excited to be learning about history or geography or to be doing the writing. And, you know, what we don't profess to do is to get to children, you know, their spelling, punctuation and grammar absolutely spot on, but we know that we'll get them to write, you know, double the amount that they would normally write. And we've got loads of examples of children who don't usually like writing coming forward to write. We've got lots of examples of children who are, you know, very quiet or even elective mutes to being really engaged and really coming forward. So I think this is an intro. It was interesting to listen to your last podcast from, um, I can't remember the gentleman was talking about active learning, but that sort of <laughs> thing of being active within something. And actually, I think that activates something in you and it and often activates something in children who are, you know, not usually activated and actually are harder to reach for teachers. So you know, when teachers see that happen, they want to, they want to hang on to that. And in one of the most important things about the 
the work is. How do you place the children within a story that happens to them? And then how do you place the narrative as a kind of thing that you need to do to move the story forward? Because the yeah. moment the children begin to receive that feedback loop of, oh, I did that, and then this next thing happens. So I have agency. I feel empowered. I feel that what I'm doing is really valued. I feel there's a purpose for it. Great, like you said, it, that that's when when you start to sort of get that rolling and you get that right and slot those things into place and really get the logic of the story and why things are there and why the children are important, then, yeah, it, it becomes really exciting. <laughs> and it becomes, yeah, um, you know, you sort of really see quite often profound impact. And I think if you're a teacher listening, can you think about your teacher training and how much of the sorts of things we're talking about now are something that you experienced talk, talked about or even knew? Um, and, and I think it probably goes to show, you know, why what you're doing is so important. Um, but also maybe how, like I say, the starting points of understanding what the job is within education to help our children. Because we're what we're not talking about today is the silver bullet to change the way schools do what they do. It's understanding what is possible around that. And I think then that gets really exciting because otherwise it's very easy to think, oh, well, one day it'll be this or when there's a different government, when there's more money, all of that kind of thing. But actually, when you start from a different mindset or, or sort of frame things differently, then it's going to it's going to make a big difference to the here and now and what you're planning for later this term or next term or or the following year, which is, is an exciting prospect, which I think feeds, like I say, throughout the school in the, the community at large and, and all those people it's going to affect. Yeah, I think that's we're very much not trying to, you know, change, change it. You have to work within what's there, actually. I think that's really important. You have to work to give um, teachers something they can work with. Otherwise, it's otherwise they won't. They'll, they'll just turn off because they've got so many other things to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what was the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Or is there a piece of advice maybe now you give your younger self looking back? Yeah, I, was, I love. I love. I was looking at these questions. They're they're brilliant. Um, do you know what I am? Um, I think the, the one piece of advice that I got. Actually, I didn't get given it. I was sort of drawn out of me. We had, I can't for the life of me remember the name of the, the coach we had, but we had some company training and um, sort of really interrogating who you are and what you're doing. And um, and actually, there was a, the one thing really, it was like to keep on, I always sort of tell myself, you have an answer. <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever happens, you have an answer. It might not be the best answer in the world or it might not be the final answer, but you, you've got, you've got an answer. You've got to, Sort of, I would sort of be saying to myself, sort of trust in yourself, you know, and actually, actually believe in yourself, and focus on the positive things, and spend less time on the negative things. And actually, and I'd also say, you're only going to go to university once, so don't don't waste that time. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah, no, I think I think that's great advice, and I think it, like say it builds that sense of confidence in yourself. Like say, if you've got an answer, it will come. Trusting in what's going on, I think that is that's really really valuable for for any stage of your life. And like I say, especially a younger a younger self ready to step into what they may may see as they go forward. Um, is there a resource that's had an impact on your life, and this can be professional or personal, but it can be anything from a podcast, a book, video, film, song, something which has has been of interest to you? Yeah, I, I mean, there's loads over the years. 
But I th- so I thought I was thinking about this, but I suppose, you know, one of, obviously, and I was just re looking at it actually beforehand, but the RSA talk that Ken Robinson did back in 2010, I think it was a bit of a light bulb and brilliant moment for everybody when he's talking about sort of educational paradigms. And actually, you know, I know that that video and Ken Robinson, some people love Ken Robinson, some people don't love Ken Robinson so much, but actually more recently, um, the work that um, Kate Robinson did to finish her father's book, Imagine If, was a massive, massive resource for me when we were, we've been doing loads of planning recently and we're, um, we're lot many arts organisation reapplying for our Arts Council funding and actually Try, really centering what we do around the, the brilliance and the importance and uh, of the imagination was 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 and, and actually how much that book champions the imagination was really pivotal to, pivotal you know pivotal to me at the time when we were really trying to define um, the importance of our work and I think you know the imagination is important in our work and actually inspiring children to believe in their, the power of their own imagination. I think is sort of a, a fundamental thing that I think we all need to engage with and sort of value um, if we're into young people and we're into education because I think it gets, it gets si- it doesn't get sidelined, but it doesn't get given the, the, the sort of level of importance that it might, I don't think. So that, that, was, that, was, a re- that was a current one for me actually. I could say many more, but there's not enough time. I'm sure. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have links to all these sorts of things on on the on the website on the show notes as well. So, uh, obviously, the acronym Fire is important to us here at Education on Fire, and by that we mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. What is it that strikes you when you hear that? Yeah, I was I was thinking about this, um, and I think. I think all of those words resonate with the work that we do, actually, and the way that we approach the work, whether that's from the artists who make it, whether that's the head teachers who kind of champion it, or whether that's the process that young people go through when they're part of this work. Um, And actually that, you know, this kind of work, you get feedback. the moment you let somebody into it and the moment you sort of see all of your planning either go really you know well or actually you know fall down slightly um so and i think we're iterative as an organization so we're always you know like teachers taking on that feedback listening to what happens and kind of feeding that back in um and i think in terms of inspiration that's what we're about inspiring teachers inspiring pupils inspiring imagination and I, that resilience talks to me of um uh you know of, of, of giving pupils something hard to do something which isn't you know isn't necessarily easy and takes time to kind of get into and to interrogate and to um to confront and something that might feel um out of the ordinary or potentially even a little bit perilous at times and I think there is you know I know that the resilience of going through those experiences and coming out the other side is massively important and then obviously empowerment is throughout our work in terms of empowering 
pupils and their imaginations and making them feel amazing and like they're, you know, emboldened as story writers or making teachers feel that they can take on the mantle. So I think I see this work, I see this throughout, like from the perspective of pupils, I see this from the perspective of teachers who are kind of really trying to work to get this this kind of practice into their own schools and into their own teaching practice. And also the brilliant creatives we work with who kind of constantly question and and push this practice and, you know, to try and make it the best it is, to try and create the best experiences and not sort of settling for second best or, or for the, the easiest answer. And really, you know, so I think it sort of mirrors and runs through everything we do um, depending on the different stakeholder you are you know with regards to our work yeah so it's fantastic it's, it's really interesting sort of hearing how you piece that together and i really appreciate the way you've managed to paint the picture of exactly what you do and how it looks in schools because i think it's really fantastic for people listening to kind of really get into the into that world which which is incredible so do just um tell people where they can find out more about it um website and, and all that kind of thing and also i guess we should talk a little bit just in terms of um from a financial point of view like say because you are a charity so what does that mean from a school's point of view in terms of their investment or, or their sort of um understanding of what they need to be aware of yeah let me um let me just get to my socials so i mean the best way to find out about what we do is to come to our website, which is um, www.punchdrunkenrichment.org.uk forward slash schools. If you're a school, that's the best place to go. And then to um, sign up to our uh, newsletter and to um, sign up to our Facebook and um, Twitter handles, which are all there. So that's the that's the best place to go to, to, to do that. And I think what you'll find in the kind of coming year or so is that we'll be disseminating quite a lot of research um, that we're doing into a, a immersive learning with schools so you know, we're, we're coming to the end of a project called the immersive learning collective which is working with 16 schools looking precisely at how you embed this practice into school life and actually seeing if we can take teachers to a place where they're independently designing their own projects uh, and we're also working um on a project funded by the Paul Hamlin Foundation called Immersive Learning Journeys, where we're looking at the longitudinal impact of this work um, in uh, eight schools in Greenwich um, over the course of four years and looking at how we can strategically work with schools to, um, you know, to, to tailor this work to specific needs. So in terms of we are a charity, we need support if you're out there and you're somebody who likes investing in and supporting creative um, uh, creative approaches to education and immersive approaches to education then we you know come and visit our website and make a donation um, because we you know subsidize heavily the work that we do in schools um, and if you're you know if something like the lost ending library uh, you know in truth the whole project if you were to pay for it up front, costs around um, £10,000, depending on how big you are, but we try to subsidise that to around sort of 70-80% of that. So we, we believe in schools paying towards the delivery of the work, but um, we subsidise that massively. Um, and, you know, box projects, uh, we work in lots of different ways. Sometimes we can work in a way where we fully fund the project, um, 
you can buy it off the um, shelf as it were for around 250 pounds um, and you buy it off a website and then you get the box and you get the train online training and then you get that, that resource to use again and again over the years um, and we you know we do um, professional development training as well which um, we could do for a whole school or we can do you can uh, log on to the work that we you know we did run a lot of online masterclasses as well um, so there's lots of different ways to get involved but primarily we're about sort of championing the importance of the imagination and trying to get people in whatever walk of life and especially in schools to be as creative and as imaginative as possible um, but we're yeah we you know we we try to we try to not only subsidise that for our partners, but we also try to take the work to places where we feel it's needed most as well. So we're not, and we try and seek those schools out. So we're not, you know, we're not sort of, um, you know, we're not necessarily always taking the work to the people who want it. We're trying to work with people to take it to places which might not expect it. Because we see when we do that, then we, we can have the biggest impact and take schools and teachers and pupils and communities on, on the biggest journey. Um, so yeah, I think I might've covered that well, bit. Yeah, that was amazing. Well, Pete, thank you so much for everything that you, you you're doing and also that, that you've managed to paint such a, a really colorful picture, I think of, of what being imaginative and creative is in terms of actually what your organization is. But I think in terms of being able to see how people can step into that world as well, especially for those who, wouldn't necessarily have been able to picture just from the start of our conversation what that would be and i think that's a, that's an incredible skill i know as well so yeah thank you so much for being here and sharing your story thanks so much for having me really hope you enjoyed that conversation and thank you so much for your time and your your input to the show it's always greatly appreciated if i could just ask you to share this with a friend or a colleague someone you think really might get something out of it it really just helps us spread our message and that's what we're here to do creative and inspiring learning thanks so much and speak to you again very soon thanks for listening to the education on fire podcast for more information of each episode and to get in touch go to educationonfire.com Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.